This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, it's Sean here to introduce a bonus episode of this week's Real Blend uh, in place of the main show. A lot of stuff going on around here. Jake is in Texas. Uh, he's handling a family event. So if you would like to uh, send some send some thoughts his way, some positive thoughts and some positive vibes, things seem to be going uh, really well for him. But he has to be uh, down there with the family, taking care of some things. And by the time you guys listen to this on Friday, uh, Gabe and I will be in Texas going to the South by Southwest Film Festival. So a lot of juggling and a lot of schedules. But before we uh, took off from our various cities, uh, we were able to sit down with director Sean Levy and talk about his film that's coming to Netflix called The Adam Project. It's his follow up to Free Guy uh, with leading man Ryan Reynolds. And this is a really special film uh, that moved all three of us a ton. Um, it's got some science fiction elements to it. It's got some time travel elements to it. Uh, it. It's a comedic performance by Ryan Reynolds that has a lot of drama to it as well, too. And uh, and just a really good cast around him as well. So we had Sean on for Free Guy and really had a good time talking with him. So we were thrilled to get him back on the show. And I think you're going to realize that he had a good time joining us as well. Uh, so this is uh, Sean Levy coming back to the show to discuss uh, his his career and a little bit of Stranger Things. And then uh, all of his work on The Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds. Really great movie. You guys are going to enjoy this conversation. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Sean, thank you so much again for joining the Real Blend podcast. It's a pleasure to have you again. I've seen this film twice now, and I was lucky enough to watch it with my parents over the weekend. I was home for my dad's birthday. And one of the things that I really found astounding was talking to them afterwards about it. Um, it's a it's a cathartic experience. It really is a life changing experience you've, that you've created here as a filmmaker. And I wanted to ask you as a director, as you make the film and as you see the film and walk away from it, how cathartic is it for you? Does it change you as a, a, a parent? Do you feel different about how you view the world as a parent? Wow. Well, first of all, I'm really, really thrilled that that the movie landed for you in that emotional and authentic way and that it was also like a connective bridge with your dad. And um, making movies is cathartic to me. And I really love movies and shows 
that give us that emotional release and allow us to connect what we're feeling to the way that we live. That's why I do my job. Sometimes it's packaged in more comedic form. Sometimes it's more spectacle and dramatic like Adam Project. But um, look, I sat in LA next to Ryan. We're at the final sound mix. And that last scene, I don't know if cool. it would be, a, I mean, that last scene with Ruffalo and his two sons, it still gets me. It, You're amazing. It really, <laughs> oh my God. And that was, uh, so, so I don't know if that's weird. I've always wanted, wanted to ask other directors, like, do your own movies ever make you cry? Because am I like a freak or what? But um, I guess that, look, I make movies that are unabashedly emotional um, and heartfelt because I want to put that feeling in the world. That's why I do this job. And it's why I wake up hungry to do it every day. So I'm really, I'm, I'm grateful that it, that it landed for you in that way. Yeah. Ruffalo's delivery in that scene and Ryan basically losing his control of his emotions is so, Oh my I'll God. I'll tell you just cause I know you guys are movie lovers. That's one of those days we show up and it's like the big scene, right? And on those days, actors tend to get a little more tense and the crew knows it's one of those big days. We rehearse it. I remember I didn't even let them finish the rehearsal because it was so clear to me once Mark Ruffalo started saying those things to Ryan and everybody was, I'm like, stop, cut, stop, stop, stop. Final touch-ups, roll camera. And we literally Ooh. jumped right in because I knew it was happening. It was happening right now. And I didn't want to yeah. burn it in rehearsal. And so what you see is the second wow. of only two takes. Oh my God. That's wow. outstanding. Yeah. Good on you for knowing that that was about to happen. That's, that just comes with years of having a uh, seasoned professionalism at that yeah. point. Um, but I'm not going to let you off the hook uh, that easily, Sean, because I want to dig a little bit deeper into what Kevin was bringing up essentially, because now from free guy uh, and into the Adam project, uh, projects like this can sometimes go and make sure that the science fiction works really well, but the emotions get a little bit shortchanged because the filmmaker is too interested in that. Or you get a really emotional uh, and and uh, character driven story, but the special effects seem tacked on to make it fit. I think in each of those two films, you found the perfect way to sort of balance it. And I want you to sort of mm -hmm. talk about if you find it in pre-production, do you find it in your edit? Where does it where does where is it coming from now at this point? Well, that balance is I kind of feel like that is my job the tonal mm. balance and it's not analytical it's not particularly strategic and it comes mostly in post-production in the edit room mm. and on both of these movies it would literally i remember some key decisions were made as we sat there in the edit room first me and my editor then ryan and i and my editor and if i'm ever like wait what's what are these words what does it what what I'm like, no, a movie's not supposed to be homework. Now, other filmmakers, right? Like Chris Nolan is a heavily cerebral, brilliant filmmaker. That is not my film language. My film language is predominantly mm. emotional and built mm. for audience delight. And so mm. I want there to be nuance and complexity in the plot, but never too much where it feels like work. And so with the video game lexicon and free guy, with the time travel wonkiness of Adam Project, it was a constant titration of, okay, less words that I don't understand, less things that make, <laughs> I, okay, what, what are you saying? The, the, and I would sometimes say to Jonathan Tropper on Adam Project, okay, tell me in dumb words what the rule of this time travel is. And he would explain <laughs> it to me um, to quote Taika in Free Guy, pretend I'm dumb. 
Um, I would say I would say that, and and very often when Tropper would explain it to me in just layman's terms, I would say, okay, so let's rewrite it to say that because I want the movie to be a ride and to be like a river of feeling. I don't want people taking their boats out of the river all the time to try and work through the mechanisms of plot. So it was a lot in uh, post production predominantly. You know, there's so much I want to dive into with you. I know we don't have a ton of time. I want I want to geek out about Rob's score at some point, but I mean, Do first, I, I want to dive in. That score is incredible. I mean, and I'll dive into that shortly. But one of the things I find interesting is like there, there are shots in this film that are astounding. Uh, and, I, and on the two viewings that I've had, there's this oneer that I keep looking at over and over. Where it's a simple shot. Where I mean, a simple scene where Ryan and Walker are just walking across the street. And you have this insane wonder as the entire yeah. cross street and while they're explaining dialogue. And to me, it was a brilliant way to do exposition in a way. Like you're explaining a lot in that moment through an action shot. And to me, I just wanted to ask you about the preparation for that shot. Your you don't even understand, bro. Like you understand the straight path to a director's heart is to notice shit like this. I'm so goddamn happy right now. Literally, I'm scouting the location. And I'm noticing where the backlight is and how the backlight is coincidentally in the direction that I'd want to look. And here's the thing about exposition. And here's the thing about time travel or sci-fi. Nobody wants to get bludgeoned with plot. Nobody wants to get bludgeoned with exposition. So I always want to marble exposition into the fabric of a scene's flow. So that's a scene, it's Mm. a walk and talk, where it's just like heavy exposition. And by making Mm. it a long Steadicam oneer, where they're in a two shot, there's no coverage, there's no edits. Um, I felt that it was a way to give the audience its medicine, its plot medicine, without Mm. shoving it down their throat. It's just kind of going in with the sugar, if you will, of a visually dynamic oneer. So that was very much a strategic choice. Great shot. Great shot. And Ryan gives you the great ending, too, where he's like, we don't use money in the future. Well, and you'll notice you'll notice that's the first edit. And why is that the first edit? Because sometimes the rhythm of comedy requires the metric of the cut. And that's the first cut in that scene. All right. I'm going to keep you going down a geeky path because I love your music choice selections uh, throughout your films and this one in particular. And there's a character who I won't reveal um, who gets to come into Good Times, Bad Times by Led Zeppelin. Oh, we can reveal it. I think I feel like, well, actually, by the time people watch this podcast tomorrow, we drop the trailer. So they're going to know that Zoe Saldana comes in with a heroic introduction. And oh, she so literally, slide is so oh, man, awesome. I mean, the choreography was great and I knew that. Um, but sometimes things just happen and you seize on an idea when the movie clearly wants it. So that was we're sitting in my edit room. We're watching that scene. And sometimes, do you know what Ryan and I do? We just randomly play songs on our iPhone. And so okay. we're watching that scene. And I was like. I went to like, you know, when Spotify has those like, this is Led Zeppelin, it's like the sampler yeah. plate. So I went yeah. to, I don't know why Led Zeppelin came to mind, but I knew that I needed a badass, iconic introduction. And sure. uh, I forced myself to forget what I knew, which is that Led Zeppelin is famously hard to get in a movie and famously yeah. expensive. But I yeah. literally yeah, yeah. hit play on my iPhone at the moment that Zoe Saldana is introduced. And all of us just sat there watching the scene and it fell perfectly. And when a song attempt lands that well, 
You have to see that it's fate. You have to view it as karma. And so we all felt it. And I was like, all right, guess we're going to go and spend a lot of money chasing Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and then we did. And then they said yes. Oh, that's um, amazing. I, I, so when I was growing up, Rob, I, I was called you Rob, Rob Simmons. And we're going to get into the score shortly, Sean. When I was growing up, um, I, I watched Face Off 45 times. I know John Woo directed that film. But you have this great little joke where someone points to a shirt and it's definitely a face-off reference. I just wonder, does that come from you being a fan of that movie? How does that come about? I, I know it's a little small moment. No, but no, but it's it. it's as Ryan, you know, Ryan and I talk about this a lot. It's those small moments that make a movie more idiosyncratic and for us more memorable. Um, mm. And so that scene was written and we Ryan and I often rewrite scenes like the day before we shoot it. And Ryan suggested that in the middle of his lecture, scientist Mark Ruffalo says, clever shirt, by the way, uh, <laughs> and literally like no reference, no explanation. And it, I found out later that Ryan had been gifted that T-shirt and that's where he came up with the idea. And so we added it into the scene the oh. day before. And again, not unlike the Led Zeppelin song, little random ideas that come to you as you're making the movie can cumulatively define the DNA of that movie. And so the face-off reference, I am a mm. sick John Woo fan, going back to seeing The Killer in film school. Dude, um, hard-boiled The love, Killer, better like, tomorrow. What is the iconic name of that villain in face-off? It's one of the great villain names. Pastor Troy. Thank Pastor, you. Pastor Troy. God damn Pastor it. Troy. So the good. Golden Guns. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I am, I am a proud, proud uh, face-off fan, and I love that Adam Project has eternalized that title. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so this movie doesn't work if Walker doesn't pull off his part. Uh, you know, the minute you'd see you could see right through if he's not young Ryan. And I left the movie completely blown away by his performance. Um, so I just need to know, like, how many kids you saw beforehand and what was the audition process even like? How did you know that he could do this? A, I hired Carmen Cuba, who cast Stranger Things for us. So I knew that I had a Jedi level casting director, arguably the best in the world at finding kid talent. That's number one. We saw at least 300 boys for this part, maybe more, as I recall it. And I remember when I and, and look, in the age of covid, a lot of auditioning has been done via remote links and self tapes, literally people doing a, a, a recording in their home. We watched Walker's. Mm -hmm. And it was the scene with the uh, mom's date where like he's making mm. fun of the guy's facial hair. And there was something <laughs> yeah, yeah. about the way Walker insulted that dude that was so uh, sharp. And like, I could just tell his rhythm was a perfect and innate, but B very Ryanish. So we had final mm. callbacks. Five mm. boys got to audition with Ryan Reynolds on zoom within three words. Ryan is texting me like down here where the zoom can't see you. We all know that move. We've all perfected that move. Um, sure, yeah, Ryan yeah. texted me being like, he's it. He's totally it. And I'm like, duh, I know he's it. That's why I put him in front of you. Um, what we later found out is that Walker, in addition to being truly special and talented, was a sick, obsessive Deadpool fan like that child. <laughs> That child has watched Deadpool more than any child should ever watch Deadpool. Um, he's definitely, yeah, once is the he's answer definitely to that scarred for life, but he can literally <laughs> recite one and two. So whenever I needed Walker to deliver a line in a more Ryan-ish way, he knew exactly what it meant. 
Um, oh my well, that, God, that superhero landing line definitely plays differently now knowing <laughs> that. Um, you know, I wanted to, Sean, one of the things I want to bring up, and I said Rob earlier because I want to bring up Rob Simmons and score because it's it, it's truly a masterful score. And like, and the way that score hits in a scene, I mean, oh my God, there's moments that that, that score just really takes over. And, and I wondered as a director, when you found that piece of music, how it kind of factored into your editing process because it's a fascinating thing because it really it's a perfect fit well this i mean this is really important for any fans or 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 practitioners of film to understand so you hire a composer um that's basic and you always go into the movie with an idea of what you want the score to sound like but so early on though what you what I, I had said to Rob, Rob and I are like, yeah, like the movie's kind of a throwback traditional, like Hollywood Amblinish movie, but let's have our score be largely electronic and unexpected and subversive. But Ryan, you know, he has this mantra, listen to the movie. And it's something we mm. both do. You listen to what the movie wants. The movie will tell you what it wants. You just got to feel what the movie wants. And so Rob and I worked together for almost a year on this score and Every time he wrote a cue that was a little more electronic or kind of um, subversive, it's like the movie rejected the organ. It's like the oh, body wow. rejected the organ. And finally, we were like, wait, are we are we trying to do something that felt right but isn't right? Um, why don't we actually lean into the feeling of the movie? And that mo that feeling is big throated and emotional. Mm -hmm. And Rob has never written a score that's that swellingly, orchestrally, emotionally hefty. And as soon as he wrote that cue, we knew we found the voice. We knew we found yeah. the musical voice. And then we leaned in and we leaned in hard. And so Rob remains deeply proud of this score because it's unlike anything he's written before, but it's what the movie wanted and it takes the movie to another level. Um, and so it's just, uh, it was a journey, Rob and I, done entirely over FaceTime. Literally, I was directing chunks of Stranger Things 4, going back to my hotel room and working with Rob on FaceTime at night while he played music for me live on FaceTime. And I'm like, oh no, go to the sixth note. What if the sixth note goes up here? No, no, and what if you change it to a, to a viola? Get rid of, change it, to, and he would do it live. And that's how we found the score of this movie. Oh, God, it's amazing. John, when do you sleep? <laughs> rarely, really, rarely. <laughs> really, rarely. Uh, yeah. There was a, the, the scene where this, because, you know, the first time you're watching it through, you're not 100% sure where the film is going. And, you know, you're, you're invested in the characters as they start to develop. And there was a, a moment early on where I was kind of like, oh, this might be more emotional than I thought. You, you think it's going to be a comedy going through it. And it is without a doubt. Then the, the first time that you actually got me and I started to sob was one word, just one simple word, Sean, because I'm a father of two boys, teenagers. And it was Mark Ruffalo looking at grown up Ryan Reynolds and just saying, Adam. He just knew he knew that that's my son. And I want you to talk about filming that scene. And also, if your older daughters came back to visit you, would you recognize them? That's a great question. Um, and that moment really got me when I filmed it. Uh, the movie, everyone came to this movie with their hearts. They brought their talent, but they brought their 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 hearts to this. And you see it with Jen Garner. You see it with Zoe. You see it with Ruffalo. Um that's just one of those moments where there's almost no dialogue and it's that what if, right? It's that what if 
And the movie, I think, is based on a huge and poignant what if. What if you could go back? What if you could make peace with your history? What if you could forgive your parents for their imperfections? What if you could tell your younger self you're going to be okay? You're going to be okay. All those things that give me goosebumps even right now as I'm talking to you, that's one of those moments. And um, and for me, the whole job was earning those moments. And uh, and yeah, you know, I have four daughters and some of them are already women and some of them are still 11. And, um, and what I now know as a parent is I think you would always know your kid. And yeah. it's this strange thing as your kid's age that – it makes sense knowing them as say a teenager, but you also see that three-year-old still. And I think, sure. I think a lot about my movies and I'm, I'm so clearly fascinated by childhood in most of my movies and shows. Sure. And I think that it's because um, I really know for a fact that that kid self is in all of us. Even as we're sitting here as grown men talking, kid you is here with us too. They never go away. We just kind of build layers on top of them. So I always try to keep like that direct access to kid me in the work. Sean, I want to geek out with you um, because they only give us a minute left. I wish we had more time to like, we have, we literally have so many questions for you, but when there's the moment where Ryan literally launches himself in air with, with the lightsaber, it's such a badass shot. I just love that whole fight sequence in the forest. Can you talk about how you achieved that specific shot specifically, and maybe just talk about the that scene in general. It's an incredible sequence. I know it's we kind of already touched on it a little bit with Zoe's entrance. I just um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that scene wanted that's our first wow scene. I mean, there's an opening prologue with like a time jet and space and wormholes, but I knew that backyard scene had to be really the promise of the movie, which is weaponry you haven't seen before, choreography that feels balletic, balletic and and violent. Right. You're also telling a story of a husband and wife reunited. So you need to see their chemistry and the way they fight together. But the Mm. most kind of unique and fun aspect was a kid in the middle of it, seeing what a goddamn stud he becomes and the (laughs) wonderment and astonishment of that. But that was a combination of Ryan being really good at action. Ryan's stunt double from Deadpool one, Alex Kishnikov, um, who is just like the most athletic specimen you've ever seen. And, you know, a lot of what he did had no wires. All of those flips and spins in the air, that's all without wires. This guy has like springs for legs and it allowed us to choreograph really beautiful stuff for Ryan's character. Oh, Sean, we love talking to you. Yeah, we love having you on as a guest, man. Thank you. This is so much fun. Thank you for taking the time to join us again. Always and a pleasure. Success. This movie is See you on the next fantastic. one. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Bye, guys. Take it easy. Thank you. Thank you so much to Sean Levy for joining the show. Coming back on, he is a friend of the show now, and I hope we get him every time he has a new project coming out. Um, so exciting stuff coming. <clears throat> we were still able to record a premium episode uh, before we all scatter to the winds. And so you guys will get that on Monday. If you are not yet signed up for premium, there's a, a description down in the description below. It'll tell you exactly how you can go and sign up for Real Blend premium episodes. And you'll get a newsletter from me and new bonus episodes that drop on Monday. Uh, in this one, we played a game that was suggested by Donovan, who's a longtime listener of the show. So we really appreciate the game that he brought to the table. And we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun playing it and figuring out as we go. So uh, that'll drop on Monday. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be back with a, a new episode, providing everything goes well with our travel getting out of South by. But we're also going to have a bonus episode that will land on Wednesday, where we sat down with Phil Lord and Chris Miller 
to discuss their Apple TV Plus series, The After Party. And so this, uh, you know, gives you an opportunity to go watch that if you haven't yet uh, and definitely catch up on the finale because we get into the details of the finale and where the season landed. And we have a very special guest who joins us during that episode uh, when Ben Schwartz, who's a cast member on the show, uh, joined us to help surprise Phil Lord and Chris Miller during the interview. So that's a fun one that'll drop uh, the following Wednesday. So lots of really good Real Blend content coming. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe and turn on your notifications so that way you're up to date with all of these videos as they drop. Uh, and keep it here on Real Blend for all the great content we have coming your way. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 